I was quitting the job and moving to another one. And he was like, well, you haven't been there long, but you're leaving. I was like, yeah. And he was like, I can't believe you're doing that. You're a job hopper. And I mean, over time, he has seen me make moves that have made me happier. They've made me more money. They've provided a better atmosphere for me. And he now has a different perspective. I'm Karen Stiles, and this is the Intentional Career Podcast. I talk to all kinds of people who take all kinds of paths to work they love. This season is all about career courage. My guest today is Chelsea Jay. She's a leadership development coach and the owner and founder of Seasoned and Growing, where she helps professionals around the globe build careers they love. She's a certified resume writer, online branding expert, and podcast host of the Chelsea Jay Experience. Chelsea's known for her bold, unapologetic, and straight shooter methods when it comes to tackling the job search, building professional brands, and most importantly, breaking free from toxic environments in order to build a thriving career. Chelsea and I first got to know each other on LinkedIn, and she's made a huge impression on me. And I really think she has an important message for people to hear when they are changing careers or building careers or job seeking. So I was really thrilled to be able to speak to Chelsea, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. All right, Chelsea, I'm so glad you are here with me today. I'm really thrilled to be able to chat with you. I've been following you, I think, for maybe a couple of years now on LinkedIn. And when I first found you, I think even in your title, you were you were job hopper advocate or something like that. And I found that really intriguing. And I thought people need to hear this. So that's why I'm really excited to talk to you. But maybe let's start with, for people who don't know you, how would you like to introduce yourself? Well, thank you for the lovely intro, Karen. I appreciate it. I feel like even though we haven't been able to like connect like this, I feel like we know each other because we've gone through messaging a lot over the past year or two. So that's awesome. Yes, my title used to be I help job hoppers land rules that they don't want to leave. And to this day, I still have a passion for job hoppers because I was one myself. And whenever I started in the industry, I was originally writing resumes and doing career coaching. And I found that my favorite people ever to work with was people who didn't have that linear experience because it was like a puzzle putting together everything that they've done and teaching them how to present it to employers as an asset instead of being, you know, ashamed of their history. That's such a good point. Yeah. Like it's so much yes. more interesting to be a job hopper. Absolutely. And I think that it helps you grow quicker as a professional and just as a person because you discover what you love, what you don't like, what you can handle, what you can't tolerate. And you can really take that into your next venture to really build that fruitful and enjoyable career for yourself. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. It's more interesting for them. And it was more interesting for you as a resume writer to create a job hopper's resume. You were a job hopper yourself. So tell me about that. Yes. Well, it was a very interesting journey. I have always been one of those multi-passionate individuals. I've always wanted to do a million different things. I started off really wanting to be a lawyer. But then I also wanted to be an artist, you know, <laughs> and then I also wanted to be, you know, a crafter and have my own business just making crafts all the time. But then I really enjoyed marketing and public relations and event planning and all this different stuff. So, I mean, it really took me a while 
to figure out, okay, what's one thing that I can do full time and be happy and then still have my passion on the side? What is that? And that really required a lot of hopping around. But one of the things that people don't often talk about, and I discovered this a lot with my clients, whenever I would ask them, why are you hopping around? A lot of the time they knew the things that they enjoyed, but they didn't enjoy working for the leaders that they were working under. And that was a lot of my issue as well. Because when you don't have a leader that is inspiring and encouraging and motivating you, and they're micromanaging you instead or being verbally abusive in the workplace, it makes you hop a lot faster and take a little bit more time to figure out what your thing is. I love everything you said about you know, wanting to do all the things. I know I'm one of those people and I'm sure there's so many multi-passionate folks out there going, yes, yes, me too, me too. (laughs) Please tell me that there's work for us too, right? Sometimes people are just deathly afraid of being perceived as a job hopper. Mm -hmm. Usually it's people who are not job hoppers at all. They just happen to be out of work at the moment and they're very worried about choosing the right next thing because what if they want to leave it and all of that. It sounds like maybe you were able to shift that in your mind and to know that I can leave when I need to, and it's okay for me to do that. So how did you build that ability to be able to say, I can leave when this job isn't working out for me? Yeah, I I love that you asked that question, Karen. And I just want, especially listeners, to keep this in mind. Everyone has a different definition of what a job hopper is. Some people, and I even put out a survey on LinkedIn, some people think that a job hopper means you leave every two years. Some people, actually a lot of people voted on leaving every 10 years, and that blew me away. What? So that, I know exactly, like you put your time in, what are you talking about job hopper? So I, I found that hilarious. But what that made me realize, especially really early on in my career, is Everyone is going to have an opinion regarding your decisions and what you decide to do. And at the end of the day, the only person whose opinion matters is really yours. So do what the heck you want to do. And once I realized that, like, hey, like what matters is my happiness and making sure I'm fulfilled because this is my life and my career and both are very short and can end at any moment. Like I want to make sure I'm enjoying it. So I am going to make decisions that make me happy. I'm curious what comments you've had from people in your life regarding changing jobs, because sometimes even if you're okay with it, it's hard for the people (laughs) around you. Well, I mean, I could talk about that for days. So the funny thing is my husband is very, very old school. I mean, I, I joke with them all the time about being way too, way too old school. And then I have old school parents as well. So I mean, all three of them just give me a run for my money. But it is funny how things can change over time. I remember eight years ago when I first met my husband, I was at an organization. And after like four months of dating, like I was quitting the job and moving to another one. And he was like, I haven't been there long because at that time he had been with his company for five years and he had been with his previous company for eight. And he was like, you've only been with that company for a year. You're leaving. I was like, yeah. And he was like, I can't believe you're doing that. You're a job hopper. And I mean, we went back and forth in our earlier days of dating. And over time, he has seen me make moves that have made me happier. They've made me more money. They've provided a better atmosphere for me. And he now has a different perspective. 
We actually had a recent conversation where I was like, hey, my company's doing this. I may need to make some changes. And he's like, hey, like do what's going to make you happy. Do what you feel is best. I know that you'll figure it out and make the best decision for your career. So it's more supportive now. And I think even for my parents too, they are also more supportive because they're like, okay, Chelsea knows what she's doing. She's, you know, got this rhythm going on. Like She knows how to plan ahead for the future. She's going to be okay. Yeah. Like you've shown them that it is a strength of yours, right? You know how to make changes and handle it and it's fine. And you're not putting yourself or anyone else at risk. My partner is a similar way. He'll be at 20 years fairly soon. I have been in a few different jobs. I started a business and, uh, you know, I got to a point where I was like, five years in one job, this is so long. <laughs> and he's like, you know, <laughs> like he can't even imagine, you know, the way that we would be like, okay, time to find something new. Maybe what we're doing, Chelsea, is we are helping people be inclusive in how they think about what is possible, right? There's not just one way to have a job or be successful, right? It's not just the tenure at a position that makes you successful. There are other ways to do that. I agree. I agree. And I think it also provides encouragement too, because I remember for me, when I first got with my husband, he was very much so, oh, like I can't do anything else. This is all that I can do for the next, you know, however many years. And he's finally gotten to a point, especially when his organization was going through some changes, he came to me and said, oh, well, I can do something else. And I was like, who is this? And where did you take my husband? You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, we're also inspiring people, which is good. <laughs> can you tell us how many hops you made? Maybe you have a number that might sound high to some people, but that might make other people feel like, oh, thank God, I'm not the only one. Yeah, to be completely honest, I made about 15 different hops in the span of 10 years. And while a lot of people would say, whoa, that's excessive, you need to keep in mind that there were some positions that I got there. And within a month or two or three, I realized, whoa, this is not the place for me. They're already sending out red flags. I'm already feeling, you know, defeated and depressed and like I can't do this due to the type of, you know, environment that they fostered over the years. And I looked at other employees who had been there long term and they felt defeated. I said, oh, no, this is not my story. This can't be me. So some of those hops were really short term and I had no problem with that. And I didn't mind explaining it. Sometimes people think that hol holding on is the only strength <laughs> or, or like a right. top strength, right? That staying is a strength. Tell me what were the red flags that you started noticing and what were the things that made you say, I'm out? I really want to stress this. Red flags are different for each individual. And I always say that we were given our intuition for a reason. So if something doesn't sit right with you, that is your red flag. And I believe that every professional needs to know what their deal breakers are, because what might be a red flag to me might not be it to you, but you need to be comfortable with knowing, hey, this doesn't work for me. It doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't make me happy. So I need to be out. So I'll give you a few examples of red flags for me. I am a big word person. I, I pay attention to what you are saying and how you are saying it. So I'm really big on communication. So if I notice that you frequently disrespect others with your language, 
you know, there's a lot of verbal abuse in the workplace, or you raise your voice very frequently, you curse a lot. That's not the type of language that I appreciate and that I'm comfortable with. So that's always a red flag for me. And I have walked into organizations before where people are cursing left and right at each other. And it's just the way they talk or arguments, you know, tend to get heated and people are raising their voices back and forth. That's not something that works for me. I don't tolerate that very well. Um, Being dismissive is another red flag for me. I remember sitting in meetings sometimes and sharing my opinion and thoughts and no one responding to it or acknowledging it. That's not the place for me either. So those were a couple red flags that I saw early on. So that was really interesting what you said about red flags and that we all have intuition. And I have a hunch that not all of us know how to tap into our intuition. And in particular, there might be also this idea that that the workplace is not a place for intuition. At least I think that's a message that I've received, right? So I'm curious what comments you have about intuition in the workplace and how we can grow our intuition and use that for the benefit of our career. Yes, I love that you brought that up. So it's really hard to flex that muscle when so many people around us are saying, hey, you're being too sensitive you're overreacting, don't look into it so deeply, stop worrying about it or just ignore it. And that is one thing that I found that I heard a lot of throughout my career. And I also heard that advice being shared a lot in the workplace when someone brought up a concern about the way that they were feeling. And I noticed that a lot of people in the workplace are really uncomfortable with conflict. And when people share how they are feeling like, hey, this didn't sit well with me, I'm not happy about this, often they get the response, hey, you're thinking about this too much, you're being too sensitive, stop thinking about it so deeply, just ignore it. And when people get that feedback, they often, you know, release flexing that or exercising that intuition muscle because they feel like, okay, I was just shut down, so let me not tap into how I'm really feeling and act on that. And I think a big part of understanding how to use that muscle in your intuition is really becoming comfortable with who you are, your thoughts, and being okay with your voice being heard and others disagreeing with it. And sometimes that takes just sitting with ourselves and being comfortable with being alone. And sometimes that is meditating that is mindset changes, changing the way that we speak to and talk to ourselves, and also working on our confidence level. Because once you take those steps and you know who you are and you're confident in who you are and how you feel, your intuition will kick in even more and you'll be okay with picking up on it and doing the things that you need to do in order to move forward. Yeah, it's interesting that through your job hopping, you were able to say, nope, 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 and then be able to find places that did work for you. Can we talk about that? How did you start to evaluate places that you did want to stay? Yes. So the funny thing is something that I notice about job hoppers, and I heard this a lot through my coaching when I said, why did you take this job at this specific place? They said, I just needed a job in the meantime, 
or, you know, I just went ahead and took it because the salary was great. And the thing Mm -hmm. about job searching is it's extremely important that you are intentional because this job is going to take up the majority of your life. (laughs) You are there five days a week, all day. You know, you're there more than you're with your family. So instead of just looking at a salary or just taking a job really quick just to take it, there needs to be deeper work. And when I say that, I mean doing the research on an organization, being comfortable with talking to current employees and previous employees who have been there, and then asking the hard questions, what may sound hard, (laughs) those tough questions in interviews to get a well-rounded picture of what the experience could be there is so powerful when it comes to picking your next employer. So one of the things that I did, I wrote down my non-negotiables in a role. I also wrote down the type of coworkers that I enjoy working with and the type of boss that I need in order to thrive. I noticed that once I got comfortable with doing that deeper work and anytime I went to an interview, I addressed all of those. I was pretty blunt and put it out there and I watched for their reactions. I really listened to the answers. And if they sounded funny, I was like, "Eh, no, this might not be the place for me. (laughs) Yep. A big theme for me right now is courage and especially leaning into career courage. And I think if we frame it in that way, I'm hoping that people will see and job seekers especially will see the possibilities in in what they can do because you know I've talked to so many folks who feel like oh I'm not a good networker you know so they wouldn't go and reach out to people at a company or asking those tough questions in an interview they don't even realize that they can do that you know that that they're allowed to do that how do you think how can people build their courage as they are seeking new opportunities. One of the things, and and you said something that just really resonated with me, and I hear it a lot. Whenever I'm coaching professionals, the first thing they always say is, I can't, I'm not good at. Mm -hmm. And I always say, who told you that? Who, who, Who came to you and said, you're not good at doing this? And they often say, oh, well, I just know I'm not, I'm not good at this. And I'm like, okay, well, can we change that to I can do this? I will try to do this. I'm learning to do this. Yes, exactly. And I think a lot of courage comes from really understanding and paying attention to how we talk to ourselves and the stories and sometimes the lies that we tell ourselves because that really determines our actions and what we choose to do. Because when you say I can't do something, you're already counting yourself out. So when I talk to people, I challenge them to really just take a week and, you know, have a journal next to them and write down like some thoughts, some reoccurring thoughts that pop up in your head often. And when people do that, they often come back to me and they're like, oh my gosh, Chelsea, I said all of this stuff to myself throughout the week. And it's usually a list of 50 things, 50 negative things that they've told themselves. And I'm like, hey, you're psyching yourself out of this. If we can start to intentionally Mm -hmm. change that self-talk, you can change your life. 
Yeah, I often have my clients, uh, usually near the beginning of our conversations, I give them this worksheet called Terrible Thoughts and Frustrating Feelings, <laughs> which is, mm. like, you know, not the most fun sounding thing, but also kind of gives them a, a place to express that and maybe to realize like, oh, this is what's happening. Let's talk about how to know when it's time to quit. Oh, one of my favorites. This can be a real struggle. In my own experience, I would feel like I should stay here. I should be grateful for this job, you know, even if I'm not happy or particularly if you kind of don't know what to do next. So yeah, tell me, what are your thoughts around how to know when it's time to quit and how to prepare for that? This is my number one sign that it's time to quit. If you ask yourself, hmm, is it time for me to quit my job? Or, oh, I really want to quit this. Or you go to Google because a lot of people go to Google and that's actually one of the highest search terms <laughs> when it comes to careers. Should I quit yeah. my job? It's really funny. I'm like, wow, a lot of people ask this question. If you are doing any of those things subconsciously, it is probably time to seriously consider quitting because a professional who is happy and content and satisfied and thriving in their workplace, they're not even thinking about quitting. They're thinking about what they're going to do next in that role. So I always say that that's one of the leading signs that you should probably quit. Also, if you feel like the job is boring, it's become boring because you know it like the back of your hand. And we've all hit a point like that in our career where we're like, oh, there's nothing more here that challenges me or gets me excited to start a new project because I already know how to do this. The purpose of your career is to continuously grow. You always want to grow. You always want to be challenged. You always want something new to look forward to. And if your position is no longer giving you that, it may mean that you just outgrew it and it's time for the next challenge. And that is okay. And I also want to remind people that it's okay to do what's best for you. Like you said before, you know, a mm -hmm. lot of people feel like, oh, should I quit this job? You know, I don't want to let my coworkers down. I don't want to let my boss down. Okay, well, wh where do you see yourself in the next year or two or three? Are you going to be happy with still being in this role? Do you feel like you are going to be thriving or are you just going to be going through the motions? And just going through the motions and living life like that, that's tough. That's a pretty defeating feeling. So change is good. Change is great. It's okay. It's okay to move forward and want more for yourself. Yeah. And your feelings about your work matter, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's say, you know, there's someone listening right now. Maybe they've Googled should I quit my job? And they've pretty much decided, yeah, that's something I need to do. What advice would you give that person? What kind of plans do they need to make? So first of all, there is some self-reflection that needs to take place right at the beginning of this process, because you need to have a clear understanding of why you are looking for a new opportunity, why you want to quit, because you're quitting for a reason. So if you've become bored of the job and there's no opportunities to move up, Okay, are you looking for, you know, progression? Is that what you're looking for? 
or if you feel like you're overworked and you want more money or a more flexible schedule, okay, like let's look at companies who offer that. So really understanding what your motivation is for quitting is going to be key because then you need to make a list of your desires and your non-negotiables as well, which is really going to shape the type of positions that you apply for and the type of companies that you apply to. And even after that, it's time to kind of get the ball rolling with actually saying it out loud, hey, I'm open for new opportunities. So you will actually need to start talking to people and talking to family and friends and previous colleagues saying, hey, I'm thinking about moving forward. Please keep me in mind when you see other opportunities. These are the specific things that I'm looking for. And now you're starting to put that bug in everybody's ear. So you have other people working for you too. Now, depending on how long it's been since you jumped into the job search, don't be afraid to reach out for support because times have changed and the job process changes. You know, I would say every year and sometimes every six months, the landscape changes. So, you know, if you need a resume writer, if you need a career coach, or even if you need to go to therapy, depending on what type of environment you're in, make sure you're surrounding yourself with support and the resources that you need to really dive into the job search and not hit a wall and become frustrated. You just want to go in as well prepared as you can. I think often the hardest part is talking to people, you know, sharing that you're looking, sharing what you're looking for, what you want with your friends, your family, your contacts. Why is that so hard? It's really funny, and I'm glad that we're moving towards society and a culture that's just more open with sharing. I know that back in the day, everything was a little bit more secretive, like you kind of kept your business to yourself. You don't want to let people know that you're looking for a different opportunity just because of the questions that may come after or the judgment. But we're living in a different world today, and hopefully you're surrounding yourself with people who are encouraging and motivating and willing to uplift you with any decision that you make. But to answer your original question, I think that it's hard to share with people because there's a certain level of vulnerability there. And people often don't like feeling vulnerable or putting themselves out there. But if you truly want change in your life putting yourself out there is part of courage. And that's the way to get where you want to be next. And you never know who can help you and you never know who knows who. So I think it's really important to keep that in mind. You can do this. Yeah, absolutely. Often we think of courage as, I don't know, if there was a visual, it's like in my mind, it's like a person leaping across a, a cliff almost. You know, they have such faith in themselves <laughs> that they almost think they can fly. I personally believe that we can build courage from wherever we're at right now. It's like a muscle and we can start with tiny steps. And so sometimes when we look at networking and sharing that we're looking for something new, that feels like the leap across the cliff, right? But we can make these tiny steps to get there. And that might be brainstorming who you know, <laughs> or maybe choosing who is a person that I feel safe sharing this with? And starting yeah. there, sometimes we think networking is only on LinkedIn, right? There's there's that misconception right. as well. Um, networking isn't just going out and talking to strangers on the internet and telling them to hire you. Like there's a lot more that can happen there. 
So I hope that folks, when they when they see the giant thing that they feel they can't do, you know, I want you to know that there are there are tiny steps that you can take towards that, and those also build your courage. Yes, I love that you said that, and I also think it's important to remember, like you said, courage just doesn't happen. Courage comes from practicing yeah. overcoming your fears and doing it over and over and over again. And once you continuously practice, it will become just routine to you. You won't even think about it. You're like, oh, I've done that in the past and that worked. <laughs> so I know that I can do it again. And, you know, I'll even give you a personal, you know, example from myself. And that's with LinkedIn. Yes, please. Yes. For a really long time, I was terrified of posting my opinions on LinkedIn. I was terrified of showing up as my authentic self because I was afraid that people wouldn't accept me. People would disagree. I mean, all these different things in my head. I was like, oh, people are going to come in my comments and say this and do that. And, you know, nobody's going to respond to me. I just made up all these different scenarios. And one day I wrote down in my journal the things that I was afraid of when it came to posting on LinkedIn. And then I also wrote down, what's the worst thing that can happen? And when I saw that list, I'm like, oh, none of that is that bad because it's not life or death. So let me go ahead and do it. So <laughs> literally, I challenged myself to post on LinkedIn five days a week for a month straight. And I promise you, by the middle of the month, I was like, oh, like, I just got to get up and post again. Like, no biggie. I can do this. I've been doing yeah, it. For I was scared of this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it just shows you how powerful practice is. So just practice, 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 and just do it. I love that example because it was a surprise to hear. I'm like, you? You were afraid of posting on LinkedIn? Because you do make bold statements, you know, about, hey, this is why your employees are leaving and, and things like that. So you know, anyone who knows you would probably be surprised to hear that. And I hope that we can share that message that, yeah, that person that's doing that thing that looks so brave, they were once afraid too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, exactly. and they started and it wasn't like you just turned it on one day or you didn't even always have that ability, right? Exactly. You grew it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a LinkedIn account probably for six years before I started posting anything on it. So it it took time. And it also took time understanding myself, knowing who I am, and knowing that I do have value to provide. And it's okay if I share my opinion. And, you know, I finally got to the point where I'm like, I don't care what other people think. If you don't agree with it, you can block me, you don't have to read it. Uh, you know, even if I get a nasty in mail, you know what, you're blocked. <laughs> Goodbye. It's okay. Like, nothing's changing in my life because you don't like me, you know, so it, it took time, but I, I have finally arrived there. <laughs> it it definitely does take time. And um, I've had similar experiences. It takes the practice of like, you know, putting yourself out there and going, Oof, what are people going to think? Oof. Or for me, I'm like, you know, I'm sharing feelings about work. I'm like, oh, nobody's going to want to talk about this. There, No one wants this touchy feely stuff. And then, you know, it turns out it's okay. 
turns out I post something and I don't die, you know? Right. Because <laughs> sometimes <laughs> our nervous systems freak out when we try new things. And also, that's normal, right? We have to yeah. recognize that you try something new, you're going to have feelings about it, and your body is going to react. And that's also okay. I sent out an email and every once in a while, I'm like, oh, that was a good one. Like I sent it out to my newsletter list. Mm -hmm. And then a few people unsubscribed. And I was just like, are you kidding me? If you don't <laughs> want that, you need to get out of here. Like, you know, I was like, this was, it's not like, because not because it was brilliant, but because right. it was authentic, you know? Yes. And I was just like, if you're not here for me, actually, that's okay. That is totally okay for you to leave. If you didn't like that, you won't, you probably won't want to work with me, you probably won't like any of the other emails I send. So, you know, like, God bless you and goodbye. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, that's such a good example, because it's also all about perspective, right? Because we don't know what's happening on the other end of that computer. I don't know if you just had 80 different emails come in today, and you just can't take another one. <laughs> know if, you know, you're not in the space in life right now, where you can hear the message that I'm providing. So it, it's just all about that perspective. And I found that your reaction to what I do is a reflection of you and it has nothing to do with me. And that's the same with the hiring process. Like it's not always about me. <laughs> yeah, such a good point. Like maybe it has nothing to do with me, right? I want to ask, do you have an example that you'd like to share about a time when you showed up with courage in your career? Yes. Yes. I have, I have a few. It was one of those that honestly kind of put my job on the line, but I was in a place where I'm just like, you know what? I'm willing. So I joined an organization and I was a leader there and I discovered some unethical things were going on behind the scenes. One of my jobs was to look deeply into the financials. One of the things that I noticed that the culture had fostered was one of, let's sweep this under the rug, let's not address any issues. And I remember getting all of this information together, a plan for how the company could also move forward too, after discovering this information. And I remember telling a colleague, hey, I'm going to present this, you know, to the board of directors. I remember this colleague saying, wow, like, I can't believe you're willing to do that for all of us, but, you know, you're going to get in trouble for doing that. And you are going to lose your job for doing that because they don't want to know that. And that's going to upset them and turn this whole organization <laughs> upside down. And at that time, it was either, for me, it was either, you know, keep this job, keep the money coming in and just don't say anything and just leave things the way they are or tell them and know deep down in my soul that I've done the right thing and everything that I can do. And I've also advocated for the people who are here so that their work experience can be better as well. And I always ask myself, what am I comfortable living with? And I knew that I couldn't live with myself by not saying anything. So I showed up at the board meeting with all of my documentation, examples, my thoughts and outlook regarding the issue. And that meeting did not go well <laughs> at all, at all. Mm, I, as yeah, expected. 
Yeah. As, as expected, there was a lot of verbal attacks in that meeting. And it was very defeating, but I can live with myself at the end of the day. And I feel good that I did it. And I never want to live with regret. And I never want to look back and say, oh, I wish I would have said something to help someone else and I didn't do it. So that is my motto. No matter how tough something is, if it's going to help others, and if I'm going to know that at the end of the day, I did what was right for me, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do it. How did you take care of yourself after that happened? Because, you know, you can do the right thing and then you still experience, you know, the consequences of that. One of the things that I always do before I make any major moves or decisions is I always write down that list that I referred to earlier. What's the worst that can happen? And how will I handle that? And what is my response to that? And I knew that if that meeting did not go well, I knew that I couldn't continue to work there. So, you know, I came home before that meeting and I had a conversation with my husband. I said, hey, this is what is going to probably happen. I may need to quit after this <laughs> just to protect myself and my mm -hmm. energy. And, you know, we came up with a plan like, okay, well, this is what we need to do <laughs> if this happens. So honestly, you know, after that meeting, I took a couple days off just to sit down and reflect on it and protect my peace. And I turned in my resignation shortly after because I knew that that mm. wasn't the organization for yeah. me. It's like, you know, telling the truth was almost like a test for them, you know, to see yes. like, hey, I'm going to give you a chance to prove to me whether I should stay here. And that unfortunately, what you suspected was confirmed. Well, I think that really comes to the end of the questions that I have for you. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to share or want to talk about? I really enjoyed our conversation and I just want to really reiterate and encourage people to be really mindful of the way that you talk to yourself, the beliefs that you put in your own head, and don't be afraid to make decisions that are going to make you happy and allow you to thrive in your career. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> to all of that. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I'm so glad to hear your perspective and just to get to know you a little bit better. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps more people find the podcast. And I'm hoping that anyone who listens will be able to build their career courage and be inspired to create their own version of an intentional career. I'm Karen Stiles. I'm a career and life coach and the founder of Flow and Fire Coaching. Check out the links in the show notes or go to intentionalcareer.co to learn more about the podcast or inquire about hiring me as your coach. Thank you so much for listening to the Intentional Career Podcast.